Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency. I'm delighted to be joined today back in London by Paul Wood of the BBC and Tiana Lowe, who is host of the Political Pregame podcast. Thanks both for being here. Uh, I'd like to talk today about Michael Cohen uh, and his rather sensational claims that uh, Donald Trump knew about the meeting between Donald Trump Jr., and various Russian operatives and a very extraordinary British PR man. How significant is this news, if believable, if true? Paul, I'll ask you first. Well, let's not forget that the initial explanation about this meeting was was all about the adoption of Russian orphans. This was a scarcely credible claim that nobody believed. President Trump himself apparently is already in trouble because he crafted the statement saying this, which, uh, if untrue, Um, is possibly some kind of conspiracy to cover up the real fact of the meeting, which was to get dirt from the Russians on Hillary Clinton. Now, getting dirt from the Russians doesn't imply uh, any um, conspiracy, any arrangement that already existed between the Trump campaign and the Russians. And indeed, people like Roger Stone, President Trump's friend, have said, of course, people are offering us dirt on Hillary Clinton. We're going to accept it. But this, I think, is a very, very dangerous shot across President Trump's bow, uh, bow by his former consigliere, bagman and personal lawyer. And it was leaked to CNN. I can't think of any more um, painful betrayal for President Trump, who calls CNN fake news, of course, than for this to come out on that channel. But hasn't Michael Cohen said today that he thinks the Trump campaign leaked it? Uh, I... <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily believe anything that anybody in this saga says. Mm. Uh, It is an entertaining spectacle. Uh, President Trump tweeting that his former personal lawyer has betrayed him by taping these calls. All of this started, of course, with leaks of conversations about payoffs to women. I'm told by people in the intelligence community, people with connections to the DOJ, that everybody's assumption that Michael Cohen is going to talk about payoffs to women isn't really the important thing here. He will say, he will talk and give evidence that they claim about the Trump campaigns linked to the Russians. Don't forget that the original allegation in Christopher Steele's dossier was that Michael Cohen had gone to Prague to meet Russian intelligence people and to meet Russian hackers. Mr Cohen's always, always denied that, Mr Trump's always denied it. But I am told that uh, by sources I trust that the Mueller inquiry has had evidence on this which may put Mr Cohen's denials into doubt. If that is true, then this is an absolute disaster for President Trump. And the first intimations of that are seen in these leaks about the meeting in Trump Tower with Don Jr. and the Russians. Diana, I've always tended to think that, uh, much as though I, th- I think Paul's done some great work on this, I've tended to think that the Russia inquiry is going to run out of steam and that there's, there's, there's not enough collusion there to actually be collusion and that actually the affairs and the Stormy Daniels things are more likely to hurt Trump. And that's where Cohen can actually hurt Trump. Do you think, do you agree with Paul that perhaps Russia might be coming back as the, as the biggest threat to the Trump presidency because of Cohen? Well, the only reason why I'm inclined not to agree is simply because the legalese of actually indicting someone with conspiracy to collude requires a pretty high bar to actually have crossed. And quite frankly, given the shambles that the Trump campaign was in, in summer of 2016, I just don't know if it was possible that they would have sophisticated enough a conspiracy in order to actually claim that there was a, there was foreign interference in the election that was specifically enabled and enacted by the Trump campaign. I mean, I I agree with that, but I I mean, I suppose the argument against that is that 
you don't have to be sophisticated to do something illegal or criminal even. No, but specifically when it comes to collusion, collusion itself is not the crime. It is the conspiracy to collude. Whereas the way campaign, and that's because the laws about conspiracy to collude are quite old. Whereas the laws about campaign finance have all been written up in the last, in the last few decades. Mm. With the payment to Karen McDougal and with all the negotiations through AMI, Trump's knowledge of any payment directly to Karen McDougal could potentially constitute an in-kind campaign finance violation. And that legally is a lot easier to make stick as opposed to conspiracy to collude. And from a specifically legal perspective, that's why I think, that's why I agree with you in saying that these payments and these fake foundations built just to pay off these women and these mistresses are a lot more legally in de- or a lot more legally damning. Mm. However, the Russia thing, it's really I, at this point, I think rather than a silver bullet, it is more about confidence in the administration. This sort of goes in two ways in terms of public opinion. One, Trump is seen sort of as a scooter libby type victim of an investigation gone rampant and people begin to feel sympathy. Or two, it does actually erode public confidence in the presidency. However, if you look at the polling numbers, Trump hasn't been hit by his North Korea summit. He hasn't been hit by his statement with Putin. And it remains to be seen how he is hit with the release of this recording. I just don't know how much it will actually stick in terms of turning public opinion. That is the interesting thing, isn't it, Paul? That, that I mean, the, actually, Trump poll numbers seem relatively stable, sta- stable and static. I mean, it doesn't. You don't even get a a, a, a scooter Libby type sympathy bump for him in the polls. You get a sort of a locking off between people who think he's a crook and people who think he's. Uh, a great president who should be allowed to concentrate on jobs and solving the peace process in the Korean peninsula. Yeah, there's a political process and there's a legal process. Trump's numbers have remained remarkably high. There are people, as he said, who wouldn't care if he shot somebody in the face on Fifth Avenue. Mm. But uh, there are also um, worrying signs for the Republicans that 2018 midterms will be a bloodbath. And if it is and Congress changes hands, then we're in completely new territory. And I think articles of impeachment would come very quickly. At the same time, Mueller is carrying out an investigation. The public aspects of that so far have been charges against two groups of Russians trying to establish a bedrock case that, yes, there was interference in the election. Yes, the Russians did it. And yes, they did it to help Trump. There's no chance of these Russians actually standing trial. This is about the PR campaign that Mueller's got to wage with congressional and public opinion. And yes, you're quite right. As one former Trump campaign aide told me, we couldn't even collude with the Republicans in Pennsylvania, let alone with the Kremlin. Um, if there had been an organised conspiracy, the Trump Tower meeting that John, uh, Don Jr. had with the Russians wouldn't have been necessary. There would already have been a channel of communication there. But what there are, according to the people that I talked to, some of whom dealt with the intelligence um, while they were in the Obama administration, there were just a remarkably high number of contacts. Russians were reaching out to Trump people. Trump people were reaching out to Russians. One intelligence source explained it to me like this. You've got one bunch of greedy, unscrupulous people in the Trump campaign trying to make money out of the candidacy. You've got Putin, who's put a pot of money aside for American election operations. And all his people are rushing towards the Americans, the Americans are rushing towards the Russians, they're colliding in chaotic fashion. It may not be a conspiracy, but there may be contacts there which are unwise on the part of Trump uh, campaign staff or his associates or his family, and that does rise to some 
uh, the level of some criminal charge. Of course, we don't know what Mueller's got. He hasn't leaked, but that's the assumption of a lot of people I talk to. Paul, what do you think about this idea that Trump is running out of steam? I've just been in Washington, and a lot of Republicans were saying to me that clearly the Mueller investigation is running out of steam. And that's why he's now outsourcing things like the Maria Butina, this Russian operative gun nut. She's either a gun nut lunatic, depending on how you look at her, or a very sophisticated honey trap. I mean, I, there's this feeling that the... the the Mueller campaign, uh, the Mueller inquiry has begun to lose its impetus and it's going to wrap up quite quickly. Well, look, anything we say about Mueller is speculation. He doesn't leak. It's yeah. a black box. Sometimes he consults people and they tell you what they've been consulted about. The idea that he was going to come forward this summer with a report on the obstruction of justice issue appears to have been leaked by Trump's lawyers, part of the negotiations over whether Trump would be interviewed. I've heard from two sources, you know, whether they have accurate information or not, I don't know, that he is indeed winding up. If you compare that with what we know publicly, that he's apparently negotiating to talk to Trump, that's the kind of thing you would do at the in- end of the investigation. Whether he's running out of steam, though, I think uh, he's probably passing off things to other federal prosecutors because he has limited time, limited money, limited staff, limited resources in general. He can't take everything on. It looks to me, with the indictments which have come out so far, he's concentrating on the core allegation, which was there was a conspiracy by the Russian state, apparently with some members of the Trump campaign, to try to steal the election for Donald Trump. Tiana, what do you think? If the most devastating Mueller case we can possibly imagine is made, what happens then? So if an actual conspiracy to collude is, is, is found. Yeah. So the problem here is, is the building of expectations for this investigation has been going on since, what, May of last year. So we're approaching the 14-month mark. And prior to that, you had months and months of Democrats saying that Trump and Putin had a direct line of communication and that everything from WikiLeaks to Facebook to the voting systems themselves were coordinated between Trump and the Russians. Even if Trump is found guilty at this point, I think that you still have a portion of the base that refuses to acknowledge that there's a problem with it. And you saw this immediately after Trump and Putin um, gave the joint press conference in Helsinki. So, or in Helsinki. So you see that um, immediately the rhetoric on some portion of, I consider them the Breitbart base, was that, so what if Russia helped Trump? He helped Trump and Trump is the end goal. It's sort of this hyper-utilitarianism. So I think for between the Democratic voting bloc and the 30% of Americans who are largely malleable when it comes to support or disapproval of Trump, I think that a, a Mueller indictment of actual conspiracy to collude would be a silver bullet. I believe that's the thing that would make someone like Paul Ryan yeah. willing to publicly endorse the, the idea of impeachment, would make Mitch McConnell publicly willing to endorse the idea of impeachment. And- do you think that, I mean, a lot of people generally are hypocritical. I don't, I mean, everyone is hypocritical and that there would be a sense in which a lot of Americans who having not really cared about this would suddenly become invested in this idea that there had been a Watergate type conspiracy and that they are on the side of justice and righteousness. And whereas they, they could easily flip towards Trump, they might suddenly say, oh, no, he's a bad guy. You think that there could be a sort of turning moment like that? I don't think the salience would be the same as Watergate, simply because Watergate happened in a way all at once, even though Nixon's corruption itself was unfolding over time. The way this Trump-Russia scandal has been built up by the media, 
it does not lend itself to a very climactic ending, even if the facts find that Trump was was working with one of the single greatest ex- existential threats to the United States. I think that you would have a lot of people in the middle who would say, fine, get rid of him. We're not, all the tax cuts in the world wouldn't be worth having someone who's willing to sell it our own country. However, we're not getting involved from a salience perspective. I don't think the enthusiasm would be the same. I don't think you'd see this massive blue wave. Yes. Because the Democrats right now are not presenting an alternative. What they're saying is, Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. And your alternative is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Your alternative is Bernie Sanders-style socialism. It's not a level of Joe Biden populism that I think a lot of the country would have been able to stomach in 2016. So in that case, I just don't think that it would be comparable to Watergate. I think it would be a good riddance by what chaos is next. I I think this dwarfs Watergate... If it's true, the allegation is that the President of the United States is a foreign agent and that a foreign power stole the US election and undermined US democracy. If that is true and if it is believed, there will be such a huge backlash against Russia. It will redefine everything. It will be the hugest political scandal in the history of the United States as a nation. And it all depends, I think, partly on what evidence there is against Trump. We have sources who I regard as credible who are telling us that if the Kremlin has blackmail material on Trump, it is far worse than anything which has come out in the Steele dossier, far worse than anything that I think people can imagine. There are two explanations for this. One, of course, that it is true. One, that the Russians have quite deliberately planted provocatia, um, false information intended to dismay and confuse the enemy. 18 months after we first heard these um, allegations in the Steele dossier that somehow President Trump was compromised, we still don't know the truth of this, uh, which way, but I think... There are far more shocking allegations to come out yet, whether they are true or not. But I do don't not you think Tiana has a point that there can really be no climax now because this investigation started with this assumption that there was something unbelievably shocking and terrible that, that, that had taken place between Trump and Russia and that really no matter what Mueller comes up with now is not going to be shocking enough to, to democracy. It may be shocking legally, it may be able to cause arrests, but is... Is, is the climactic issue a problem? Is, it, is there actually a climax now to the Mueller inquiry? I think there are more shocking allegations to come that are not yet in the public domain. And even with what is in the public domain, with a Congress that is democratic, I think there will be impeachment. I mean, maybe articles of impeachment in the House and not a two-thirds majority in the Senate to convict. Um, it's going to be a very rocky finish. Look at the numbers. Does anybody think the Republicans are going to hold on to the lower house? At the moment, it doesn't look like, but about two months ago, it looked very different. I think it could swing quite quickly. What do you think, Tiana, you think, in the midterms? Well, I mean, again, it comes down to what is the alternative the Democrats are representing? Because if you want to make the case that Trump himself is an existential threat to what this country stands for, this country, I'm sorry, I'm saying this in the UK, but um, that, that Trump is an existential threat to American values, liberty, independence, fine, you can make that case. However, when Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell... Mitt Romney, Brett Kavanaugh, when all of these people are also being called these flagrant racist bigots homophobes, it makes those 30% of Americans in the middle who think Trump's kind of a brute, don't respect him, but they're like, eh, I like the tax cut. It's fine. Mm. I didn't like Hillary that much. Doesn't make that... We're getting off topic here, but I would like to go on with this. 
I mean, the, a lot of reason why a lot of Americans liked him was because he was very not Paul Ryan. Right? He's mean, very not Republican. That's why his base liked him. And so, with regards to, I'm, I, the reason why I bring up the idea of everyone else not being literally Trump is that I think that that helps the Republicans' case in terms of keeping their majorities. Right. I think that if, if Democrats are willing to make a better case about why their alternative was superior to their Republican alternative, sure. I think that the articles of impeachment are being drafted in the back right now. But right now, that's just not what they're doing. They're not playing to win. They're playing to feel good about themselves. So you were just in Washington. When I was living there, every conversation was, so how long can he last? Are people still saying that or have they given up? Well, this might be a reflection on the people I talked to, but everyone that I was talking to said uh, they're pretty sure Mueller's wrapping up, it's run out of steam, and they think they were much more optimistic about the Republican chances. I mean, they, most of them were Republicans that in, in the midterms than probably the polls suggest right now. However, I do think what's quite interesting is whether this is... To me, it looks like Cohen is the last great hope, the last best hope, uh, to borrow the Lincoln phrase, of uh, the Mueller inquiry and that if 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 cohen can't bring down trump i'm not really sure who can would you agree that's a fair assessment i mean paul manafort's position is interesting he's clearly holding out and of course and he's got this inquiry yeah. next week uh, against Mueller, holding out for a pardon what does he know you know the, the trump's accusers say that manafort was put in to that position as campaign manager by the russians by people in ukraine who are allied to the russians who knows whether that that is true Cohen may be the last best hope of the Mueller inquiry, as you put it, but let's not forget the privileged position that Michael Cohen had. He was the bag man. He was the guy who did, did the shady stuff for Trump, did the payoffs to the women, um, did the business stuff. Uh, I think if anybody knows Trump's innermost secrets, apart from the family, it is Michael Cohen, and that's going to give Trump some sleepless nights right now. I, let me float a very wild idea that I'm not sure I have any confidence in at all, uh, but Tiana, do you first, that actually... One of Trump's problems is, although he does throw people under the bus quite easily, he also has a kind of kind loyalty to people. And someone like Michael Cohen was someone who he was attached to, and he remained loyal to, even though it became quite obvious that he was an embarrassment for quite a long time. I mean, Cohen was a uh, clearly a, a completely wild person who was who was sort of quite a criminal operator, and that Trump actually just, Trump's fault in a way was he was too loyal to Cohen and that's why he's now so cross that Cohen has not been loyal back. Strangely enough, it seems as though Trump's demand of loyalty has nothing to do with competence and more in dogmatic belief. So someone like Cohen, who made so many public errors, would still keep Trump's assurance publicly. Yeah, it's about being a good guy. Yes. And then, but then when Steve Bannon was willing to go on the record um, for the fire and the fury, that's when Trump turned on Steve Bannon. And so it is about public acquiescence. And so I think someone like Cohen in, in leaking the, um, the alleged AMI payment tape with Karen McDougal to, to Chris Cuomo of all people, I think that is an act of public defiance. And if I were a betting woman, I would say that Trump will... Trump has no remainders of loyalty or protection of Cohen yeah, in his heart. I don't recognise his portrait of Trump as being this incredibly loyal guy. I mean, people who know Cohen said he was repeatedly kicked by Trump, snubbed in big ways and small. You know, Trump told Rents Priebus, for instance, you know, we'll 
ease your passage out of the White House, everything will be fine, and he gets off the plane and Trump is tweeting, I've just fired him. Mm. Um, Michael Cohen was humiliated by Trump in many ways, big and small. Uh, once he won, before he won, I mean, this, this is not a guy who looks after his people and thinks about their feelings, he's notorious for it. Um, and what Michael Cohen has now done, as you said, with the AMI tape, but also with an off-camera interview he gave to ABC in which he said, uh, I'm not going to be part of anybody's defence strategy. I've got a wife and a kid. I'm going to look after myself. That was, I think, a, a, a pretty blatant public signal to Trump. You better look after me. You better pardon me. I better get my costs taken care of or I'm going to burn you. And I think that's what we're seeing being played out publicly now. It's extraordinary. But Trump can't support him like that. I mean, so this shot across the bows... Exactly. Is, is it's, ridiculous. It's a, it's, that would be another article of impeachment, wouldn't it, if he started yes. promising pardons left and right. It's why everybody's trying to sort of like criminologists read into the existing pardons, you know, whether that's a signal to people who might be pardoned. Yes, or read into what Rudy Giuliani is saying, which is no necessarily reliable indicator of anything, is it? Well, um, some people think that Mr Giuliani has been, shall we say, erratic in his public statements. Yes, tired and emotional a lot of the time. But he's, but he, but I mean, Giuliani called him a Brutus last night, I think, also. and that, and that that's very reflective of the. I suppose, Giuliani, you're not from New York, but you would know more about this than us. The the New York mafia type mindset of the Trump circle. Oh, certainly. I mean, if you look at the structure of the Trump organization and of how Trump has done business from the eighties on, business is a tiny fraction of what he did. Trump is one of the greatest branders of all time. And he built his brand mostly through people going out and making statements. And in some cases, that was Trump himself. Adopting, what was his persona? Uh, Michael Bar- John Barron. Oh, the PR. Brand. Yeah, PR exactly. Brand. Yeah. So with someone like Giuliani, is Giuliani there for counsel or is he there to bring out a shiny object on CNN so that way everyone can look at the diversion? It's a very good question. It's one we should be asking more as the weeks go forward, I think. We'll wrap it up there, though. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Tiana. Uh, 